We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So let's Vince dive into uh, the Q&A portion of today's show because there's a lot going on. There's a lot of recruiting, a lot of questions. I'm already bumped way down. so (laughs) I figured you um, might be. I'm I'm at the top. So so let's let's try to work through these as quickly as possible so we can get to to as many questions as we can. Okay, so 1118, starting off, Jay, uh, with a goo out. I wonder if the staff will wrap things up with Tafiti and Wesselak again. I also love the Hero Canoe offer. Kid is legit, and I think the staff has a real shot to land him. Yeah, and I, and I already answered that during the show as far as Tafiti and Wesolak. I do not see them going that direction, uh, and, and I agree. I, I do like the, the hero canoe offer. No question about it. Tony Stangle says, do we have an update on Anthony Lucas? Uh, where is ND at with him? When is he committing? That's one that we just we can't keep asking about because it's going to be a while. He's going to take business in the fall. The you can ask about it anytime you want, Tony. But the answer is going to the, the is it's 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 not his status hasn't changed. He's visited his schools. He's going to take more visits in the fall. That's always been the plan. Unless something completely changes dramatically, I don't think that's going to change. I had a conversation with with a source four or five days ago, and and they were all about Anthony Lucas, and they're still trying to get him, and he likes them, and all that kind of stuff. So. Um, yeah, I expect them to still be to still be part of that. It's just going to be it's the long, that's one of those ones that it's the long game, right? Right, it's the long game. OC Irish fans, guys, is there any doubt that Marcus Freeman and <laughs> wrote <laughs> MF and I had to pause for a second that Marcus Freeman should be the next head coach following the Chris Zorch interview? OMG, I can't wait for September fifth. Every potential recruit should watch that clip. Go Irish, love the Notre Dame. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on the can't wait for September 5th. Every recruit should watch that. Love the Notre Dame. But again, a guy that's never coached a game at Notre Dame needs to coach a game at Notre Dame first before, you know, we need to see. Because what's going to happen is they're going to have a game and they give up like 30 points or something like that. And, oh, you know, it's whatever. I mean, let's just let them coach first. Let's enjoy the fact that Brian Kelly is the head coach and making changes and Marcus Freeman is the defensive coordinator. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, let's let them coach a game first. But, yes, it was a very exciting it, it was very, very exciting. Shane O'Shea, he wants to know if you've done a breakdown on Hero Canoe and what your thoughts are on him. I haven't done an, 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 I haven't done anything on him because they just offered him, I mean, since the Friday. Yeah, a few days ago. Uh, 
you know, and, and but look, he's a big kid. He's six four. He listed at two ninety five. He didn't look that two ninety five on film. He looked to be more like two eighty five on film. But I mean, that's kind of splitting hairs. He was still you know junior film. Didn't play a ton as a junior because he was out in California. But he's very raw technically and fundamentally, as you'd expect, as a guy that football is still kind of new to him. But he's athletic. He he's a guy that that could play the nose. I think he could really dominate the nose. But he's got the quickness and the penetration ability, and the playmaking ability in the backfield. That he could play some three technique as well. He could line up as a five technique and, a, and three down looks if you needed him to. He's a very versatile player. His his motor runs a little hot and cold again, as you'd expect from a guy that hasn't played football for for doesn't seem to be at least hasn't played American football for very long. Uh, so, but the talent is there. I mean, look, he's already ranked as a top hundred recruit. I think that's more about projection than it is about he's definitely the 80th best player in the country or whatever the, it is right now. But from an upside standpoint, Shane, he's a really talented kid really talented kid and definitely a top 150 kind of guy to 200 kind of guy now, but the upside, when you have factor in the upside, he's definitely a top hundred caliber recruit. There's no question about it. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Lots of comments in here about the Marcus Freeman interview, of course. I want to pull up this thing from Wade Garrett. All right, hit it. Address this. I have not oh, seen yeah. any bat signals on Twitter today. Should we be concerned that Snead is going to Oregon when he announces tonight? Uh, no, you should not be concerned about it. We'll find out what he's going to do tonight. But again, the bat signal thing is is not the end-all, be-all. It's kind of like if they don't put a bat signal out with an X amount of hours before the kid commits, the people kind of panic, and we can't do that. Number one, when a kid has set an announcement time, it would be kind of stupid for the staff to yeah. 12 hours before to put a bat signal out. You know what I mean? Um, let the kid have his moment. Right. There's times when the bat signal's cool when people don't necessarily know who it's for. But when a kid has said, I'm going to commit tomorrow at 7 o'clock, and then you put a bat signal out at 12 o'clock, people are going to know exactly what that means. And I don't think the staff has any interest in taking the kid's moment should they know his decision going into tonight. So I have said this for a while ever since he visited Notre Dame, I feel really good about where Notre Dame is. We're just going to have to let it play out. I'll explain why he made the decision today, tonight, uh, after he makes his decision, and we can talk about whichever direction he goes. So I want everybody to know that if you asked a question that we covered, uh, we're not going to rehash. Right. So, we, sometimes, because what's so happening is, is people get in there early and they ask a Absolutely. question. Then I, and like we had, like there was a question earlier about, uh, you know, uh, what do you guys think about you know the hero right. canoe and all? We we answered that during the show. So in yep. order to get to questions, we're going to right. just kind of 
right because there's a bunch in here because uh, i don't want to seem like people think we're not answering their questions but right you know, we keep getting booted down so and there's like well then shut up and get to the next question so let's go ahead and do that <laughs> uh kevin thomas i'm throwing this one up brian uh just for the last part here he says there are rumblings the decommitment is a reflection of potential playing time uh he's looking at vandy and lee seriously so since there's that notre dame connection i didn't know if you knew anything specific about that i think no i just think there. vanderbilt was one of those schools that was kind of talking to him about hey you can come here and be the guy because there's no one else on our roster like you which is true or you can go to notre dame where there's four or five guys like you which is also true so i think if he is looking at vanderbilt then it would it would reflect what i've been told which is that you know obviously early playing time and, and, and a little clearer path to playing time is something he was looking for whether or not he goes to Vanderbilt or not, there's going to be a lot of other schools that are they're pushing for him. So, did you get booted, Vince? Sure did, but I'm, I'll, I, I, I'll, I'll try to get a couple of these. Okay, thank you. All right. You can tell by my uh... – Yep, yep, <laughs> yep. Yeah, a lot of comments about the Marcus Freeman thing. Uh, he's, he's, impressed a, he's impressed a lot of people. There's no question about it. Yeah, I've got one um, if you're still looking. Domer Grizz had a, a okay. unique response to it. He said, uh, after everyone hyped the Freeman interview with Zorch during Friday's chat, I listened and am so full of Kool-Aid, <laughs> it's not even funny. Can't wait to see the D, the, the D this year. And if, the, if Domer Grizz is who I think it is, he's not someone who's prone to drinking the Kool-Aid. <laughs> so that just goes to show just how impactful uh, in, in, impactful that was. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's – it's a really exciting time to, to be following this. So I'm going to go into some more. It's funny, Vince. We're now I'm way deep into this. Yeah. Uh, and we're still not even to the one o'clock. I'm at one, one o'clock. o'clock so, so when you get there, I can take over again. Let's see here. I uh, Here we go. Uh, tatted up Irishman. Yep. Is Malachi Nelson's at. commitment date on the 18th or is he just uh, narrowing further? We are in uh, his top schools. We have a chance. So I believe the 18th was his commitment date. He has already narrowed his list down to seven. I put that on the, the, the website yesterday and on the message board last night while driving. I pulled over, wow. quickly put it up, made a quick story about it. Uh, I was actually when when Agu decommitted, I was actually on my way. I was on 69 South taking my grandmother <laughs> back home. And uh, that broken. So we, I pulled over. I was like, hey, Graham, I need to get some gas. Oh, okay. You know, so then I'm sitting there like typing up the story real quick and then did the Malachi Nelson thing later. But uh, uh, Oklahoma is a school to beat right now. If anyone has a chance to pull off the upset, it would be USC. Um, Notre, to, kudos to Notre Dame because the kid kept talking to them and they kept talking to him. Like they they pushing, but I don't see – I don't believe he visited Notre Dame this summer, and, and that should be the, the primary – now, if he visited, it's no one knew about it. But I don't see Notre Dame being the player there. And honestly, they like Malachi Nelson a lot. But for months, my understanding of their top quarterback was not Malachi Nelson. Not just because they knew they weren't going to get him, but there's somebody else that lives a little bit closer that uh, that's the number one guy. Uh, okay, we've got one from Sky Shark, and this is one we could probably do a whole show on. Mm-hmm. But I'm gonna, I, I just love pushing Brian's buttons. Mm-hmm. Uh, could you flesh out the Van Gorder issue? You know what, man? You're not even pushing my buttons after listening to that press uh, to Marcus Freeman's <laughs> interview. It's like, okay, that's what a real coach is supposed to be. So I don't have to deal yeah. with this other clown anymore. <laughs> he, he, well, how is he bad beyond the apparently complicated scheme? So I'll let you go. Go. Well, it, the complicated scheme was a big part of it. He was not a good teacher, he had no concept of how to teach the kids. I, I don't think a lot of things he was trying. I, my understanding is, and from what I can, and you can see it, you know, you watch something happen and you can, you kind of know what's behind it, but then you talk to people and you hear similar things is he was trying to teach a scheme that wasn't necessarily his. It was stuff he'd gotten from like Rex Ryan and other people. And 
I could share some really interesting stories that you're like, wow, Division One coach did that during a game. Like, that guy had no business being here. He was also not a good dude. And the manner in which he would talk to players and other people around him. Like my wife's a really happy-go-lucky. Vince, you've met her. I mean, she's mm -hmm. really like smiley and happy mm -hmm. and 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 like her like her word of the year this this last year was joy. And like every day was like, I just want to live with joy. She couldn't stand it. She met him once and she's like, she came home that day. And she's like, who's the defensive coordinator? The guy with the mustache. Oh, Van Gogh. Yeah, he's kind of a jerk. <laughs> and so is that this football one-on-one -on -one thing, which is awesome thing that they do with so like awesome. the women come it. and they coach them yeah. up and they like put them through drills and like, yeah. it's like most of the coaches like actually treated us with respect. They were actually trying to teach us football. He got up there and was like saying these really insulting things and like talking down to us like we were idiots. Wow. And it's, but that's how he was with everybody. That yeah, wasn't exactly. about, I said, honey, that's not personal. That's just who he is. That's just how he treats everybody. And so it's one thing to not be a good coach. You know, I didn't think Scott Booker was very a very good football coach. But you know what? Scott Booker was a really good dude. And and I had respect for him. So I you don't hear me bashing Scott Booker. I, I hope Scott Booker I, – I wish him all the best. But Brian Van Gorder, not only was he not a good coach and not only did it hurt the Notre Dame program, but he didn't treat people well. And I don't just mean yelling at people. I'm talking about he treated – I don't think he treated people poorly. And so I don't have a lot of – I don't have a lot of time for people like that. <laughs> Can I just pull this up? Michael Hughes, Brian blinked yeah, twice if you've already got Snead's commitment right up done. Now I'm afraid to blink. <laughs> I don't want to not blink. I don't want to blink. I can <laughs> Brian is a professional. He's got both <laughs> stories written just in case. Okay. No, no I don't. No, I, I don't. <laughs> no. I, I don't have both stories written. I wouldn't waste my time with that. Here I, I am trying to help you yeah, out. I appreciate just... that. But <laughs> I'm not saying I have any stories written, but I get definitely wouldn't write both. Uh, you know, but yeah, yeah. And just a All reminder, right. in case you did miss the beginning of the show, what time for Snead? He's supposed to get his press conference started at seven. I would imagine the announcement will come several minutes after that because it's a. It, my understanding is it's going to be at his high school, which means it's right. the thanking everybody and all that kind of stuff is going to be happening. Which too. is cool. Uh, Nolan Esparza said concerning the Freeman, he goes, Freeman is such a breath of fresh air. It is so nice to see a coach value the Notre Dame football program again. He sees it as a top tier program and is not afraid to tell everyone about it. And that's the, that's the thing that I enjoyed the most about it. He, he said very clearly, he's like, this is Notre Dame. Yeah, this is where we're at. There is right. no reason you can't compete for anybody that you want. This is Notre Dame. And that was, yes, thank you. Know, you. And, and there's a part in there where he he kind of showed, I thought it was kind of a real moment. He was talking about, you know, if I could go do it all over again, he goes, yeah, I still would have probably gone to Ohio State, <laughs> you know, because it's like that's what he grew up in his dad. But it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't like, thinking, if I could go do it all over again, I would have chose Notre Dame. You know, he didn't do that, which would have right. been fake. It was just like. He said, he, and he said, he goes, hey, I'm not going to go down that road. Yeah, like, like he told a story about, you know, he visited Michigan and his dad said. Great story. Well, if you pick Michigan, I'll get to watch one game a year, you know, it, you know, or one game every other year. He goes, because I'm not going up there to watch games. Well, and he said, he goes, and I'll be sitting on the Ohio State side. I'm sitting on the Ohio like, State side. Wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, if you grew up in Ohio, you understand that that's a real, a real sentiment. Uh, and, and real quick, John Climack, hello all. I was actually going to DM you today, John, because I hadn't, we hadn't seen you in a chat. So I'm good to see that you're, uh, you're alive and well and you're back, you're back <laughs> in it, in it uh, with me. And, and D-Rock says, uh, let's go with Brian's tea leaves over those crystal balls, my man. 
uh, Jonathan uh, has a comment here. He goes, I no longer put much emphasis on how many stars are at the end of a player's name, considering I just witnessed a certain player with only 12 offers receive a five-star ranking from a popular site. Guys, we we tell you all the time, watch the film. Yeah, Watch the film yourself and make your make your assessments that way. And, and if you don't know how to watch film, that's cool. But just watch it and then watch somebody else and compare them, you know, do the analysis yourself because you've got no bias toward, mm. well, he, he he went to my camp, so I'm going to bump him up here. Right. Or he talks to me more, so I'm going to bump him up here. Or watch the film. We always say it, right, Brian? Watch mm-hmm. the film. And it's out there for public consumption. Yeah. I got a question or a comment here from DJ Wilson. DJ says, and DJ, thanks for being in the chat again, my man. He says, hey, everyone, the thing about the Freeman interviews is that he gets it. He gets who Notre Dame is. He knows how to sell Notre Dame as a, as a, as a lifelong commitment, not just a football commitment. I'm going to push back a little bit on that. I don't disagree with what you're saying. But see, that has been the excuse that Notre Dame coaches have used in the past for not going after top players. Is, well, you know what? It's not just about football. It's a lifelong commitment. and you you got to understand who Notre Dame is. We can't go after certain players. He's saying, no. We're going to go after certain players. And if anything, this is about as Catholic or as Christian of a mission as possible, if you want to equate it to football, saying, hey, we're not going to go get the kids that are normally going to be prone to coming here anyway. We're going to try to get the kids who maybe wouldn't be otherwise and provide them with an opportunity that they otherwise wouldn't get. You know, But it's it's also, from a football standpoint, it's about we're going to battle for the best kids and we're going to sell them. We're going to – we have to – and he said this. We have to convince them why right. they are actually a Notre Dame kid. And that's not what the staff, for the most part, has done for the last five, six years, especially. But for much of Brian Kelly's tenure, it's, well, we're going to get the kids that we think we get. And, you know, the few times that Notre Dame has gone to battle for kids, they've gotten a lot of them. Aaron Lynch and Stephon Tuitt, Ishak Williams in 2011. You talk about, you know, Tony Alford using the 12-0 run to go get Greg Bryant and Torian Folson in the same class. You know, we've seen it before. You know, Harry Heastan did that all the time. He went after the best lineman and got them. When we've seen the Notre Dame coaches actually battle and put in the kind of recruiting effort needed and do the right sales pitches, for the most part, they get those kids. That's what's made it so infuriating that they didn't do it more often. And so, yes, he does get Notre Dame, but he's not using it as a crutch, and that's the difference. So it's not that I'm necessarily pushing back on it, DJ, and I said that at the beginning. It's more about that's true, but you could. it's like with anything. You could take a statement and say, well – I'm going to use this to to justify why I'm not doing what I need to do, or I'm going to use this as as ammo to go do what I need to do, and that to me is the biggest difference for for what Marcus Freeman is doing. Mason, jump! He says he just signed up for the message board, so welcome. Excellent, Mason. I That's appreciate awesome. that. Uh, <laughs> Brent, he goes. Can I just make a contribution to the Anthony Lucas to Anthony Lucas, and then show you the receipt? <laughs> then you can credit me on the site for helping the ND. As you get Notre Dame put on probation, sure, <laughs> sure, we'll, we'll gladly tell everyone who was oh. responsible for that. So absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> That's great. yeah. Now you go uh, ahead and do that. I have receipts. It's yeah. Brent's fault. Whew. <laughs> 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 Uh, D rock Irish says next man in, by the way, don't do that, Brent, just in case that wasn't clear from, from, uh, from our comment. Uh, don't, don't do that. That's great. Uh, Joseph Salvatore says, I know it's early in his recruitment, but how realistic of a shot do we have to get hero canoe in the class? Thanks, Brian and Vince missed you guys over the weekend. 
you know, I, I'm I'm gathering intel on that specifically. I'm just going to give you my early read of it. So this isn't intel related. This is my opinion on this. Okay, I think this is one. If they turn the heat up immediately, they're going to have a shot at, like a good shot at. Like I could see them going from like not on the radar to tenth to like second, you know, third, second, and then maybe getting them really quickly. And, and because again, I think there's going to be some natural connections there that are going to allow them to, to get in the game that are going to make him listen more on top 100 recruit normally listen to a program getting late in the game because he's not your typical top 100 recruit which we explained earlier because he's from germany hasn't been playing football a long time academics are going to be super important all those kind of things factor into it so i think notre dame's going to be a player here if, if they want them and they push for them i think they're going to have a shot i really do Again, won't be easy because, as I said, he's Ohio State, LSU, Clemson, yeah, that, Alabama, Georgia. I mean, his you. I don't know if you can. Now you throw Notre Dame in the mix. I'm like, ah, and then he's a West Coast kid, so you have Washington. Well, you know, he's playing in a West Coast school, so then you have Washington and USC in there. It's like, I don't know if I could think of a better, a better offer list to describe right. how good a kid is uh, yeah. than what uh, what we're seeing from him. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, Quinn Kelly has an interesting question here, and it, it, this is a little bit of speculation, but um, since you are into recruiting, he said, or, uh, Quinn says, uh, how often do recruits slash commits get told they don't have a spot anymore? And I assume uh, Quinn is referring to Notre Dame specifically, but maybe just speaking generalities yeah. on that. <clears throat> um, not a lot at Notre Dame, and honestly, I don't know if it's really even said at Notre Dame. <laughs> recruits get told that all the time. Let me, let me differentiate because he did say two. Recruits get told that all the time. You offer 150 kids, you can only take, what, 25 of them. You're going to tell, right. you know, some of those kids are just going to pick other schools, but there's going to be a bunch of those kids you're going to say, hey, look, I don't have room for. I know there's kids in the current class, they've said, hey, I don't have room for you. Sebastian Cheeks is one of those guys. Um, commits don't get told that very often in Notre Dame, and, and it's rare. And because what Notre Dame – Brian Kelly has a policy, and you know what, respect to him for this, that if you commit – if we take your commitment – and all of a sudden we start doing a better job recruiting other kids, we're not going to then say to you, hey, sorry, you are got to go. Like Jack, Jack, if Jack Nickel wanted to stay at Notre Dame, he'd be in the class. Now, what I mean by that is they were honest with him about where things stood. They also told him, you want to be in this class? We're going to honor your commitment. So they never told him you don't have a spot, but they did tell him we're going to try to get two more tight ends, just so you know, and, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be tough for you. That's okay. But they honored it. And so it does happen. You know, Greg Crippen wasn't told that he didn't have a spot last year, but he was told, Hey, we don't, you know, we don't see you really fitting into what we're trying to do. We're going to honor your commitment. But then, you know, he, they knew he was going to leave the class and they allowed him to stay publicly committed until he found a school to go to. And it was his time. So, I mean, Notre Dame will do that, but it happens quite often at other schools. Uh, Alabama will do that consistently. Hey, look, we'd like to maybe have you as a – you'll get commitments and then try to convince the kid to be a gray shirt, which is, means he comes as a freshman and, does, and you know, pays his own way. And that's kind of their way of getting kids to leave. Hmm. So it happens more than I'd like. Um, which, but at the end of the day, I'd rather you tell a kid, hey, we have a spot for you, or hey, we're moving on, than to bring the kid in knowing he's not going to have a chance to play for you or that you're not going to give him a chance to play for you. You know, so it's it's not – it's not always the the cleanest business in the world, but you know, to me, as long as you're honest with a kid, I don't mind schools saying we don't have a spot for you anymore. As long as you're open and honest, and and do it in the right time. Like when Jim Harbaugh did it to that offensive lineman that went to Oklahoma, he did it like January, and signing day was like in February. That was shady. 
That yeah, was disrespectful. Wow. Gre- Notre Dame did it with Greg Crippen the summer before his senior year. Yeah. They did it with Jack Nickel the sp- you know, summer before his senior year, before he took any visits. So he could, before the June period, so he could take all his visits. And it worked out. Jack's now committed to Michigan State, which is a really nice spot for him. That's more his level, in my opinion. So I hope that answers your question, Quinn. Uh, Jack Maluli has an interesting question, and I, I don't even know if you grade out all the top 300 kids, but he says, uh, how many players in the top 300 did you grade with five-star potential? How many players in ND's class did you grade five-star potential? All right, well, let me let me pull that up here real quick. Uh, there is no one on offense right now with a five-star upside, I don't believe. That's committed. Uh, that's committed, okay, correct? Gotcha. Yep. Uh, so, yes, no one on offense with the five-star upside. Defensively, I believe now Agu did have a five-star upside grade. Defensively, now there are three, I believe, that have that I've given five-star upside grades to. That would be Tyson Ford has a five-star upside grade. I'm just checking now. Tyson Ford does. Uh, actually, I have it now in my defensive big boards. I did put my upside grade in there, so let me just pull that up. Probably be easier than checking on each kid's profile. Uh, <laughs> let's see here. I have... Three in the current class, Tyson Ford, Josh Burnham, and Aiden Gabera are the three. If they get uh, if they get Jalen Sneed, that would be a fourth. So um that, that you know, I again I don't give out a ton of those. Right. You know, I I really don't because I for me that's like reserved for like the the best of the best, like the true top 25 players in the country. Uh, so as much as I love Benjamin Morrison, for example, I don't have him uh, as a five-star upside grade. Devin Moore, five-star upside grade. Now, that doesn't mean those guys can't be really, really good. It's just I try to I try to be more cautious with that because if you start handing out like five-star upside grades to everybody, it loses its meaning. There have been years where I only handed out a couple five-star upside grades. There have been years where I've handed out – like last year, there was several. I mean, you had Blake Fisher, Tyler Buckner, I think Deion Colsey. Uh, I'm gonna pull up last year's class and, and look at that. But I mean, there was there was like last year was different, Vince. It was the opposite last year. Last year I had a lot of offensive guys that had five star upside grades, and not a lot of defensive guys. Mm-hmm. I think I only had two on defense last year. That was Prince Colley and um, and and Gabriel Rubio. Where offensively, I had I believe, I mean, I had Tyler Buckner. Deion Colsey, I believe, had one. Um, Blake Fisher, Rocco Spindler. And I'm checking to see if I had Lorenzo Styles. No, I did not have. I had Lorenzo Styles as a top 100 recruit, but not a five star upside, which again shows how picky I can be. So it's Tyler Buckner, Deion Colsey, Rocco Spindler, and Blake Fisher for my five four guys on offense. For my four on offense last yeah. year, which is a high number for me. Again, I don't, yeah. I don't handle a lot of those out because it would be really easy to just say, oh, five star upside, you know, because then. You know, then well, you know, because then you could be kind of cheat with it. Well, you know, there's a reason I gave him this lower grade to come out because you know he needed a lot of work, and then it becomes kind of lazy. Uh, I I try to say, look, this kid has a chance to really be like a top fifteen, top twenty caliber NFL draft pick, and or more like a you know first team All American kind of guy. That's I try to really kind of narrow it down and, and be picky with it so it has more meaning when a guy actually has it, not just man, you gave half the freaking class a five star upside grade. <laughs> I, I might probably would have for for some of the classes Bama has, uh, but you know, and, and like there's there's 
there's some quarterbacks in this class that I think have that kind of upside, even though I don't think it's a great quarterback class. There's some receivers in this class that I've given that up to. The Caleb Burton kid from Ohio State, I have him with a five-star upside grade. Caleb Brown, the receiver going to to Ohio State, I have as a five-star upside grade. So I've given out some, uh, but I, I try to grade all the kids Notre Dame's looking at, but I don't grade the entire class. I just I just focus more so on uh, Notre Dame. The only the only position I've I've graded a lot of kids out at is quarterback because I was doing it for SI All American, so I right. broke down like seventy five to hundred kids and ranked the top twenty five, and so there was a few there that I would have given them to if we made that public. But uh, and again, my five star upside grade. You know, I talk about being a first round NFL draft pick, but I probably shouldn't have said that because my grades are more about what kind of college players I think they're going to be. Uh, you know, I don't. You know, I mean, my number one quarterback in this cast class is Cade Klubnik. I don't view him as a top ten NFL draft pick down the road. I think he's just going to be a heck of a college quarterback at Clemson. There's other guys with more physical tools that may end up being higher draft picks, but you know, they they don't have his his floor either. Okay, uh, real quick, a couple of quick ones here. Uh, Quinn Kelly, is Ford playing inside or outside? Outside. Okay. Outside. With the potential to play inside. Okay. But uh, he's an outside guy. And Jordan says, how do you like Lucas at end compared to the interior? Depends on the look. So if they're going to a three-down look, I love him as five technique. And I talked about this in my, my film breakdown of him even before Notre Dame. I knew that Notre Dame was telling him that. Uh, I think he's the kind of kid that what makes him special, if you go back and watch the video we did of him on our podcast, we talked about like we showed clips of him lining up on the edge, rushing the quarterback and, and, and doing damage. I don't love him as an every down, four down end uh, in a, in a, because I think he could be a really good four down end, better than Myron Tungvaloa Mosa, for example. I think he could be a, an, a, a Khalid Kareem, an Adio Gandishi type of players, and then maybe a little bit better. But I think he could be a, a dominant three technique and a four down. But in a three down look, I don't want him at nose. I want him as a, one of the five techniques. In my, you know, I, I don't know if you feel, agree with me, Vince, but so it, it just it depends on the looks and depends on the situations on where he can play. But that's part of what I've always liked about him is he can play nose. He can literally play any position that. You know, I mean, any position on the defense. Yeah, that's why. I, he's so I mean, the defensive line, and, and it, right. Could he play Viper in in the coverage aspect of it? No, but could he play the weak side end in a in a four down look and and against certain situations? Yeah, yeah, he could. He's he's really that good. He's really that good. So, uh, Jack uh, says, if we don't get Snead, who else could be next? I I don't. I don't want to steal your words here, but I don't think they're going after any other linebackers. No, so. it's if, if they miss Snead, and again, I feel good about where Notre Dame is at now. If they do miss him, I, their focus will be on 2023 kids. Yeah. Four linebackers in this class was a want, not a need. Correct. Here's a question from Jordan real quick. Um, what are your grades for Hero now and future? I have not actually graded Hero out yet. So, I mean, I like him. I mean, I could tell you he's probably going to be like a top 150 kind of guy but I haven't graded them out yet. And sometimes my grades for kids, uh, there was a quarterback that's committed to Miami, for example, that when I did my grades came out a lot higher than I would have anticipated him coming out because he's got a couple traits that really boosted him up. Uh, you know, so sometimes there are some, some changes, which is why I came with the grading system to protect me against biases, you know, cause I know what my biases are. I know what things I like at certain positions and I had to make sure that I had a balanced way of grading. So, um, I, I, you know, but my, my gut is top 150 ish kind of player with a really high ceiling. 
but I have I'd have to watch some game film too. Right now, I've all I seen is highlights of him. I'd want to find some game film first before I said, "Hey, five star upside." Uh, I see some tools like that, but you know, until you see game film, you know, for me, it's a lot harder to really make a, um, a a definitive. And that's why there's been players in the past like Kevin Bauman. I was really dodgy about his grade just because I never saw game film. The highlights were limited. I say, hey, "Here's what I think of him," but I haven't seen a lot of film of him, and so I try to. I try to not be as strong. Like KJ Winston was another one. I didn't love his highlights, but I also was like, I, I just don't have a strong opinion of him because I haven't seen a whole lot of film. I haven't seen a game film. Then when I finally was able to see game film, you know, you, you can solidify that a little bit more. Nolan says uh, you had mentioned that uh, you're asking the guys to, you know, slow down on the commitments. You know, you need a little bit of a break. He says, don't worry, coaches. Once the defense is done, it's looking like the offensive coaches are going to try and give you as much free time as possible. <laughs> that's messed when it comes up. To recruiting. That's I messed up. That was funny. I'm not going to, that's messed up. <laughs> Where are you at, Vince? Number, uh, time I am at 138. Okay. So if you see something that I yep. missed, by all means, have yep. at it. Okay. Um, John Rich says, uh, guys, with all your programming changes of plans, remember the old saying, quote, the most successful people in life are those who best handle plan B. And that's a great, that's a great comment, because then this is something we've tried to talk about recently, too, John. It's such a great point that there's been this stigma put on plan B guys. And and you have to be careful with that because Kyron Williams is a plan B guy. He's turned out to be pretty good. There were other running backs that Notre Dame wanted over him. They didn't really start pushing for him until they missed on other running backs, right? But that was a situation where he was a plan B, but they yeah. liked him. It's just maybe this guy was here. I mean, and, and there have been – Ian Book was a plan B guy. He, he just was. You know, sure. there have been plenty of guys that come to Notre Dame as plan B guys that turn out to be really good players. I mean, they didn't get, they didn't get on Jeremiah Usukoromoa until Mike Elko and Clark Lee were hired. He wasn't even a plan – Z guy for the original right. coaching staff, on the, you know, yeah, right. And then, you know, so then they kind of come in and get them late. I mean, who'd have thought, Hey, when they got him late, Hey, this guy's gonna be an all, I, I gave him a four and a half star upside grade and a four star grade when Notre Dame signed him. So I was very high on Jeremiah Wusukoromoa. I still would not have predicted he was going to be a first team all American and a Buckus award winner. Right. You know, so, so sometimes those, like you said, John, if you, and this is also too, John, where it comes from my statement that I've made in, in the past, not so much on this board, but I've, I've made this like, in articles and writing in the past, you have to recruit your entire board. You have to recruit your fourth, fifth, and sixth ranked guys just like you do one and two because if you miss on one and two and you didn't give love to three through six, you're not going to get three through six. You're going to get number 10. Right. And that's what I think this staff is doing a great job of is and even on offense to a degree, not every position, but even on offense to a degree, they've been loving up on some of the, the, the guys that maybe aren't the top of the top of the line guys as they look for others. And that's why they got Steve Angeli. The fact, I mean, people can say, Oh, Steve Angeli is the number one. No, he wasn't. If Drew Aller would have committed, they would have taken Drew Aller. They didn't, they didn't really tell Steve Angeli could pop until they knew that they were going to miss on Drew Aller. Okay. So what they, they had a guy they liked and they quickly moved on to him. But because Tommy Reese showed him love throughout the process, he felt like a priority and that's how you have to recruit. So, so yes, those that that's part of that handling plan B guys. So that's a just a tremendous, tremendous uh, a, a comment there from from John. Dynasty ISP says three hundred forty six viewers. Congrats, guys! Uh, with Notre Dame getting higher level recruits, does that mean we will have less fifth year slash grad transfer players? Yeah, 
Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the trade-off, right? Like you can only have 85 and I'm going to work on doing a scholarship chart this week to just try to see just where the where numbers are. Is, yeah. But yeah. I mean, that's the decision you make like, Hey, do we bring back, you know, a fifth year senior receiver or do we take a fourth receiver in this class? That's the decisions that you have to make as a, as a coaching staff. Well, and I, I do think you could see potentially more grad transfers leaving. Like once kids get their degree at Notre Dame, if they haven't gotten to where they think they need to be on the depth chart, I could see them going. Um, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. because there are kids when they come to Notre Dame, they want to get their degree and they can get mm-hmm. it in three years and they can go grad transfer and play two more, you know, or, or potentially even more than that. So um, I, I do think there, there's a, a bit of that that could potentially grow. Uh, but I don't. But the grad transfers coming in, I think, could shrink. Um, so I kind of took that both ways mm-hmm. in that question. And there was a question earlier about Xavier Nwangpa. Uh Again, I, I think right now yeah. the plan is he's going to recruit until he's going to take his recruitment into the fall. I think that's a good thing for Notre Dame. Ohio State's his leader. Notre Dame is closing the gap on him. And if he commits today, I think he'd probably pick Ohio State. But if he carries this thing into the fall. I think Notre Dame's going to have a much, much better chance at, at getting him. And so every day that goes by that he doesn't commit to Notre Dame or to Ohio State is a win for Notre Dame at this point in time. But the gap is much closer now than it was a month ago. There's no question. JoJo says, uh, hey, guys, good afternoon. You're good, Brian. Uh, good afternoon. So I remember Lucas wanted to play more end than defensive tackle. And so is ND recruiting at that position? So do we need another defensive tackle? By the way, I'll be signing up for the annual subscription later on today. Um, so here's the situation with with Anthony Lucas. Uh, when they had um, when they when they had a goo in the class, he was a defensive end. Obviously, they had three defensive ends committed. It was a tougher sell to Anthony Lucas that he could play defensive end. And so, but they, they still wanted him there, but there, you know, there was a lot of negative recruiting going on saying they're just going to push you inside. And Anthony Lucas wants to play defensive end. And we mentioned it before, Brian mentioned it before he can play both, but his, he prefers to be on the outside. Well, now that Agu is no longer in the class, now there's only two defensive ends in the class, that conversation, that uh, I don't want to say argument, but but you know that line of uh, line of uh, of thinking is so much easier now because now you've got that extra spot uh, at defensive end, and with Agu not being in the class, that opens up a scholarship. That's why they got Hero involved. Okay, that those two are directly linked. When Agu was leaving, Hero was coming in. As far as an offer is concerned, those two are directly linked. He's an inside player, right? So now the Anthony Lucas situation, they can say, look, we want you at end. We've only got two ends in the class. That makes that conversation a lot easier uh, to make uh, to bring in Anthony Lucas. Again, he can play both, but he prefers end. Notre Dame's recruiting him as an end. Now that there's only two instead of three, it just makes that conversation easier. I don't know if you had anything to add to that, Brian, no. but that was no, it's good. basically where it's we're good. at with him. Um the interesting comment here from Joseph. He says, Brian, why did the staff invest recruiting a goo? The desire to compete should be a priority in the evaluation process. You're assuming that that meant he's always been that way. And I think that's a probably an, a- an accurate way of looking at it. I, I, I mean, again, circumstances have changed, right? At the time, they didn't have Keon Keeley and Brennan right. in the class. Right. And at the time, he probably, he, you know, he, 
He was just getting offered by Bama. He was just getting offered by Notre Dame. His priorities were more, when he committed Notre Dame, his priorities were more big picture oriented. I think the manner in which some schools have recruited him have kind of convinced him that playing right away should be important. I think as he went to camps and had success and people started telling him how great he was, it changed his his priorities a little bit. So I, I think that the desire to compete is very much a part of the process for Notre Dame. And I think at the time, also remember, Aiden Gabera was also a three-star recruit at the time. And then Aiden Gabera went and blew up as a junior in yeah. the spring and became a top recruit. So right. the circumstances have changed. They obviously value that, but just because it's become an issue for him now doesn't mean it wasn't an issue for him when when he first committed to Notre Dame. Because it it was an issue. That it was something they were addressed, but the circumstances of Notre Dame were different. You know, Gabar's reputation, the 2023 class, all that kind of stuff. D-Rock Iris says, Freeman setting high expectations and letting his defensive coaches be the, quote, head coaches of their positional groups. Leadership 101 is delegation. And I, I really actually like that comment um, about, he's like, look, you want to have personal relationships with all your guys. He says, I know all 10 of my linebackers, like on a personal level. Like, I know all about them. He goes, I can't know about 52 players. He goes, I have to put my assistant coaches as head coaches of their position group because you have to have those personal relationships with those guys. It makes perfect perfect sense. Yeah, agree. Agree. <laughs> Thomas Walsh, this is a good one. I saw when this comment yeah. went up, and it was at the beginning of us talking about Coach Freeman. And when you're talking about Brian Kelly, he says, I have a great feeling about Coach Kelly now. He knows he's close to the end, wants a statue, and is pushing his chips all in the pot. I, I agree with all that. I think he's very cognizant of his of his uh yeah uh what's the word I'm looking for? Help me out here. Uh just, legacy. I mean, just, legacy. Yeah, very, very much so. of his legacy. And I also think too, I really think the losses at the end of this year changed him to a degree because I think he realized, like, you know what, we're not that far away. Mm -hmm. We can do this. And, and I think that there was there's a little bit of complacency around the program. Uh, and, and I think that's another reason that Mike Mickens and Marcus Freeman have been, a, and even Chris O'Leary to a degree, now he's a full-time coach, but more so Free, Freeman and Mickens who are really new. I think they've breathed some fresh air and some fresh life into the program. And, and that's needed sometimes. I mean, it really is. And so I, 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 I think, you know, I, I, I think I shared, did I share the story on the sh channel last week? I know I shared it on the radio events where, you know, I had someone who's been a part of the program for several years was like, you know, I've never really spoken to Brian Kelly. And then I was at a camp this summer and he comes up to me and, you know, shakes my hand. He's all excited to see me and knew who I was. And he's just like, that's, that was, it was just different. <laughs> that wasn't the Brian Kelly I'm used to. And, and, and he was so, employed again, by Brian Kelly in Notre Dame. No, no, it's oh, no, okay. it wasn't an employee. It was just oh, someone who's, some, okay. well, I said been around the program. So around I mean, the program. I can't really gotcha. say who it was or what oh, it no, was. No, no. Then it starts giving it away. But no, 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 that's fine. You know, someone who's been associated with Notre Dame for a few years now has, has you know, that kind of gotcha. thing. And and gotcha, so gotcha. it just, you're hearing a lot of different things where it's not just, and, you know, here's the thing. The, the people that are around Brian Kelly, his support staff, uh, Please, please just let me explain this because it's going to come across as an insult, and, and it, it kind of is. But I'm, I'm. It's also a, a good thing now. There's been so much spin that comes out of the sources at Notre Dame, and I've said this word sometimes. Like, oh, okay, sure, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I'm not putting that out there. You know, like when they were trying to to me sabotage Phil Jerkovic's character in 2019. There was a reason for that. It was completely the things they were telling me were completely opposite of what 
other people were telling me about Phil Dracovic that didn't have an agenda. And it was just, it was frustrating at times. It was like a spin machine. And I, and I think that, that the reason I'm excited is not because those people are telling me things about Brian Kelly. It's I'm hearing from people that normally wouldn't necessarily be prone to praising Brian Kelly or had an opinion about Brian Kelly either way, or have any skin in the game from the standpoint of why it would matter if he's doing it or not. It's just, Hey, here's my observation. And so the fact that it's coming from them is, is why I, I, I'm buying it. I'm, I'm buying it that he's made changes. It's because, number one, we're seeing it. And number two, I'm hearing it from people that aren't part of the, you know, let's, you know, because look, let's be honest. Notre Dame likes to control every ounce of messaging that comes out of the program. It's been that way for a while. And so that's not the people that I listen to when they try to tell me things have changed. Uh, whatever. You told me that, <laughs> you know, before 2016 as well. I don't want to hear it. You know, um, it's coming from people that, that to me are more objective. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm so excited about, about these changes that are coming out. Domer Texas 22 said, how did Clemson never offer Snead? Seems crazy that he would let such a monster out of their own backyard. I don't know if they're even really recruiting any linebackers in this class. I, I really don't. And I don't, I, I, other than that, I don't know what they're doing there. It's been a weird year at Clemson. They have not offered many kids. I, I think this is one of those years where they're going to be bringing in a much smaller class. But beyond that, I have no clue why they didn't offer them. Bam offered them. It's strange. Laker Irish, any updates on Emil Wagner? I believe OSU got an O-line commitment this weekend in Fitzpatrick. Yeah, that's an, a very interesting one because George Fitzpatrick is basically the same kind of guy as Emil Wagner. Undersized. You know, questionable frame, but really talented. Although I like George Fitzpatrick better as uh, Emil Wagner, I don't know if that. I, I would think this is a guess, right? Mm-hmm. I have the feeling that that's going to kind of get them out of the Emil Wagner sweepstakes, which could benefit Notre Dame. But I don't know if I necessarily want it to benefit Notre Dame. I, I this is one of those ones where he's ranked high. I think two four seven as a top hundred recruit. Rivals is a top two hundred recruit. There's a reason Ohio State went out to Colorado to get a kid with a very similar body and game and passed on the kid that's from the Ohio State feeder school. That should make some of us think twice about, okay, his ranking and what kind of a commitment would that be. You look at pictures of him from visits, he looks more like a linebacker than he does an offensive lineman. And I think that's got some programs concerned, and I think Notre Dame is one of those, to be honest with you. OC Irish fam, Coach D, Tommy Reese has one advantage Marcus Freeman doesn't have. He lived the Notre Dame experience. He just needs to be able to sell it like Marcus. I believe that it's going to happen. ND strong and true. I don't know if that's necessarily an advantage other than just recruiting his position. I think sometimes not being from there. Because it's kind of like, well, of course you believe that. You went there. You know, but when a guy that played at Ohio State, played in the NFL, never had to came to, and can come and say, "Man, like when I got here, it just it was different. Like, man, it just it changed me." That to me, I think, is what the recruits is going to have a lot more sway on them than than Tommy Reese, who who you know to me was not a highly ranked recruit. He was not a heavily pursued guy. I'm not I'm not trying to take anything away from Tommy Reese. I'm just saying I I don't know if his story is going to have the impact on kids beyond you know. The the from a recruiting standpoint now you know having lived it and all those kind of things I man there's some degree where he gets Notre Dame but I think also he he was at Notre Dame during a time when I don't know if they had the right mentality as a program that they have now 
And so you could spin it as it's a negative. I, I don't think it's a positive or a negative. I think it's going to be about, look, we've seen some Notre Dame legends come to Notre Dame as coaches and be pretty awful recruiters, right? So I don't think that matters. If Tommy Reese ends up being a great recruiter, and I think he's got a chance to be one, it's going to be because – his intelligence, his work ethic, his personality. It's not going to have anything ethic. to do with yeah. where he played college football. It's really yep. not. Yep. And when you when you're talking about being a highly recruited, you know, or you know, highly rated recruit, um, I think Marcus Freeman can talk about that. You know what I mean? And it, he can talk about not only when he was a kid being recruited as a linebacker because he had all the offers, and he, he and he mentioned that in the podcast. He had all the offers, and he talked about getting the offer from Miami, like that was the one that you everybody wanted, right? So he had all those offers. To, to your point, he was part of the 2004 class at Ohio State. He was the number 31 player in the country. Yeah. There you go. So he yeah. understands what it's like being that, right. that guy. Exactly. You know? Here's his offer list. According to rivals, this is just seven of them. Ohio State, Florida, Miami, Michigan, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Tennessee. Right. A Tennessee, a Tennessee offer back in 2004 meant a whole lot more than it does in 2004. They, they, they won a national championship within yeah, the last they six were like years. Five, they were like five, what, five years removed from it, right? Yeah, it was 98, was 98 right? 98, 98. Six years removed from it. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I mean, that's – Right. He was a big-time player. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Wade Garrett, I put this up just because of his hashtag. Uh, I don't know the dynamic uh, – how the dynamic works on the offensive staff, but Pullian – Always seem to be a pretty good recruiter, it seemed. Where does he fit in with Reese when it comes to recruiting kids? Hashtag Boo Broncos. You can't stop reading those hashtags, man. So I'm almost <laughs> not letting Wade get on there, buddy. Uh, I've, I've, I don't know. I, I, you want to answer this, Vince? I, I, I feel like I shouldn't probably comment on this. Well, I think Brian Kelly was, or I think Chip Charlie Weiss was a great recruiter, and right. and and that's why they got some of those West Coast guys. And Brian Pulling was given a little bit more credit for some of that than maybe he deserved. Fair enough. And that's and, about all I want to say on that subject. And, and look, Brian Pullian is, you know, they all have their regions, right? But the region thing is kind of less important nowadays. It's more position groups and uh, position coaches. I think he's done a really good job identifying and landing some special teams players in recent years. I'll say that. I think Jay Bramlett was a great pickup. I like the Josh Bryant pickup. And beyond yeah. that, I have no comment. Here I'll uh, here's a comment that I'll read while you're searching, Vince. D Rock cool. says the Freeman podcast where he stated coaches need to relate to their athletes. Coaches need to be open for their players to ask, "Why am I doing this?" and give them reasons. That's buy-in, and, and there's some more practical reason why that's a great a great comment. Because what, basically what he was saying is, you know, we're 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 not here to tell these kids just do it because I told you so. You know, he's like, look, we want kids to ask why, and and again, it's always a, the right way to do it. You know, there's a time and a place to ask why, then there's a time and a place to do it because I'm telling you to do it. And that's part of the relationship that you have to build. But the, the the point there is it's a very practical reason why you say that. And it's not about relating to players as much as if they don't understand why you're asking them to do that, then they're not going to execute it to the level that you need them to execute it because they're just going to say, well, coach told me to go B gap. So I'm going to go B gap. They need to understand, hey, coach told me to go B gap because I have to do this, this and this. Right. This is my responsibility, but I also understand that because of that's my responsibility. If a defensive tackle slants into the B gap, I now have to understand the concept because now he's supposed to have the C gap. I'm supposed to have the backside B gap. He got washed inside. I need to redirect and make mm -hmm. sure that I then replace his C gap because I understand the scheme of what we're trying to do. And, and you need players to understand the why. Now they have to understand that the, the time and the place to ask that question and, and all those type of things. But it, it you know, Dan Mullen taught me this when I was a first year coach, I was able to be around Bowling Green. 
I was able to spend some time with him and I got a, learned a lot of things from him over of a period of about a week, you know, being down there for spring ball and then his, his camp. And he said, he said something, he goes, you know, he's like, Brian, I could, I could be the smartest coach in the world and I could know all these different things, but if my players don't know it, it doesn't matter. And he told me a story and I, and I use this as a coach. He, he would in, in the spring, I think his quarterback was with Josh Harris at the time. Right. He said, sometimes he'll just walk in and be like, you know, I don't feel like coaching you guys today. And he'd get a starting quarterback, the remote, and he'd say, walk us through film. They all knew what he was doing, right? But he, he would do it to where it was like, okay, Josh, I need you to coach the guys up today. Because he needed to see that Josh understood the install, the, the reads, the corrections, and those type of things the way that he did. Because if Josh's quarterback doesn't understand why they need to read cover two that way, then he's not going to be effective doing it. He's not going to be much of a leader quarterback either. And he's like, you know, it's all about what your kids know. It doesn't matter what you know. If your kids don't know it, then you're not going to be successful. And that kind of brings us back to the Brian Van Gorder conversation from earlier. You could have all the great Rex Ryan plays in your playbook that you want. But if you're not teaching your kids to understand it the way that they need to, that they can play at a high level, then that stuff's not going to matter. And if anything, it's going to become a detriment. And I would rather have a kid that mastered five routes than a kid that knows 20 and doesn't have any of them mastered. And I think that's to me why that's a, practically a very important comment to hear him make from mm -hmm. a coaching standpoint. Corey D is Notre Dame pushing for Bradshaw. I think he had a visit scheduled coming up potentially. Yeah. So I actually talked to, to Xavion the other day, and it sounds like what we had mentioned that possibly that, that the visit being canceled was, was a combination of just the timing of it and him coming back from vacation and just not being able to set it up. It sounds to me from talking to Xavion that their contact with him is upped recently, which is encouraging. And he said that he's going to be visiting. And from the sounds of it, it sounds like he's going to be coming to one of the earlier games. So that's a positive sign. Now, does that mean that he's a take? Would they still take him if they're able to get, you know, the other two guys on the staff? I mean, that are on the board right now. I don't know the answer to that. Right. But at least the conversations are upping. And that's important. And he still very much likes Notre Dame. He doesn't view that as they canceled my visit. It was just a, it just didn't work out from. Right. And there was some good information about that on the message board, by the way, in case anybody's interested. Yeah. We have a lot of recruiting you know, intel that's on the message board right now. Uh, just some, out there. some backstory things and some things that I'm hearing from different sources. Brian uh, Buchanan says, would a 10 and two Notre Dame team make the playoff every year in a 12 team format, trying to find the positives in this. I, oh yeah. More often than not, let's put it that way. Yeah, I don't. I don't see how not it's every year. To, but because so, so, for example, they would not have made it in 2019 because they were the they were the 12th ranked team, right? But because you had to have the sixth the highest powers, ranked, yeah, yeah, uh, conf, not power, but conference winners. Yeah. There was like I think it was Memphis. I think was ranked like 18th. They would have jumped Notre Dame and knocked Notre Dame out. Right. So, but, but that was also a weird year where Notre Dame had like no good wins. I mean, right. no good wins <laughs> and, and lost to the only two decent teams they played in Michigan and, and Georgia. But most, I mean, if they would have beat in 2017, for example, if they would have beat uh, Stanford at the end of the year and, and gone, I mean, no, yeah, let's see here. Yeah. Stanford at the end of the year and gone 10 to two, they absolutely would have been in, but yeah, most years they would be 10 to two and still be in not always. 
David Knight says, is Bradshaw the second babe that you asked to the prom? I don't care. Because sometimes that second yeah. babe is, yeah, exactly. ends up being your wife. Exactly. You know what I mean? And the number one babe ends up being a hot mess. You know what I mean? And you're like, man, thank God I did that. You know? So we all know that's true. Oh, here we go. John Kleinmeck letting us know what's going on. Brian, good looking out. Took the family on a uh, Upper Peninsula camping trip and uh, Mackinac visit before swinging past Lambo. Okay, good to know, man. Good to know. I always hope that that's the reason why, but you know, we didn't see you for a little bit. So, oh so, yeah, uh, okay. yeah. It was. It was um, I was wondering what that was all about. Yeah. UP is awesome. My yeah. My my uh, in laws take our kids individually the summer that they turn seven up to Mackinac by themselves. They get their own little solo trip with the grandparents. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it's kind of like a rite of passage in our house. Mm -hmm. So the, the Mackinac Island visit, man. So that, that's a mm -hmm. beautiful area yeah. up there. So well done on that. DJ Wilson has a comment here, Vince, kind of in my response to his earlier question about, you know, the Marcus Freeman getting Notre Dame. He says, uh, Brian, thanks for the pushback on the Freeman comment. However, what I meant was he gets Notre Dame it is we are ND and we get who we want. Now, yes, that I agree. So you're looking at it from the standpoint of, he gets what Notre Dame is about, meaning what we all believe Notre Dame is about, which is you are a powerhouse. Stop acting like you're not. Right. You know what I mean? You are a 10. Act like a 10. You know what I mean? And and that, yes, DJ, if that's what you meant by that, and I, I believe it makes sense, we're 100% on the same page. Yes. 100% on the same page. Corey D, kind of a loaded question here. Who will start at linebacker and receiver? I mean, as of right now, going yeah. into fall camp, it's projected to be Jack Kaiser at, at Rover, uh, yep. Drew White at Mike, and Shane Simon at Buck, mm -hmm. or Will. I guess is what it's, it's what it's called now. Will, I think yeah. there will be battles at the two inside spots. I think Jack Kaiser has Rover pretty much cemented, from what I'm told. I think there'll be battle at those two spots. Although I do expect Drew White to start at receiver going into fall camp. It's that's a little bit more of a question mark because of the health of Kevin Austin. I, I know that Avery Davis is going to start. Outside of that, I don't think we have starters yet. You know, it could be Joe Wilkins if if Kevin Austin's not 100% good to go. It could be, you know, Brayden Lindsey at X. It could be Joe Wilkins at X. It could be Lawrence Keyes at X. I I, I think there's going to be battles for those. And honestly, that's a good thing. Yes, that's it's a, a good great thing. Great thing. Bruce has a, a, a legitimate question about quarterback at Notre Dame. He, he says, uh, Notre Dame does not have a great reputation for developing quarterbacks. And he put Dracovic in, in parentheses there. He goes, how do top quarterback prospects like Moore and Manning seriously consider Notre Dame with that background of development issue? Well, I think part of that is, is you know, a lot of the, the, the you know, Tommy Reese didn't really, he coached Dracovic for like, what, a year? Yeah. You know, two, you know what I mean? Really, yeah, two years. You know, he he was never started. He Tommy Reese wasn't the offensive coordinator when Phil Dracovic left. Coach, yeah. Now, I'm not blaming Chip Long for why Phil Dracovic left, just so you know. I'm not right. at all. I mean, his his issues had way more to do with anything Chip Long did. But, uh, you know, I mean, I just think that's kind of what you got to do as a coach is you got to say, hey, look, you know, that, that there's I can't control what happened you know, back in the day, you know, all I can do is what I'm doing now. And here's what we're trying to do. We just took Ian book. Can you talk about the lack? The, the, they don't have a great rep reputation for, for, for uh, development quarterbacks. I think the counter to the poor job they did with Dracovic. And I do believe they did a poor job is the fact that they took Ian book, a three-star commit that they flipped from Washington state and took, turned him into a fourth round draft pick. So the most recent example is actually a, a testament to yeah. the development. Now I don't buy it personally. Cause I followed the team for 10 years. But Dante Moore's not going to know that, and you know right. what I mean. And and right. Dante Moore's going to be like, wait, if Ian Book can be a fourth round draft pick and win thirty plus games, what could I do? I mean, that's a but, fair statement. Yeah. 
But at the end of the day, it's going to be about what does your offense do in 2021? Yeah. Do you score points? Do you throw the ball around? And what kind of weapons are you going to give me? Those are the things ultimately are going to matter way more than the other pieces to this, in yeah. my opinion. DJ Wilson just signed up for the message board. Come on, guys and gals. Let's make it big. I love that. Appreciate love it. Love it. Michael Campbell has a prediction. He says, I truly believe Buckner or Pine will be leading Notre Dame this season by the time we play Wisconsin. That's in September. That's pretty it? early. That's I, really early. Yeah. Especially- Michael, you know, I don't want to I don't want to push back on that too much. I just would rather I want to question like what why? Are you seeing Jack Cohen having issues with his foot? Are you just thinking he's not good? I, I, you know, I just yeah. It's hard for me to really say yay or nay if I don't understand what. I mean, if you're like, hey, I just think he's going to get hurt. Okay, fine. But I just, if it's because you don't think Jack Cohn's good, I, I just think people are going to be very pleasantly surprised about how good Jack Cohn is. I, I truly believe that. Cesar uh, Penilio, potentially. I apologize if I just butchered your last name. There's a lot of I's and L's there at the end. Uh, good program, guys. Keep up the good work. Greetings from Woodland Hills, California. Coast to coast. Ooh, Love baby. it. Love, Love that. It. Somebody wants you to rant here, so I'm just letting you know. Appreciate Jonathan you, says, uh, Brian, I completely forgot to ask you about Coach Kelly being ranked 12th by oh. PFF. I think it was. I know it's ridiculous, but I want to hear you rant about it. I'm not going to rant too much about it because some things are just so <laughs> stupid that they're not even worth getting fired up about. And not only did they not have Brian, they, they had Brian Kelly 12th, they didn't have Ryan Day in the top 20. Are you serious? Yeah, I didn't I notice I didn't, that at first. Somebody had to point that out to me later because I just wow. assumed that they weren't going to be that stupid. And and then you look at it, you see who they had ahead of them. They had Jamie Chadwell one spot ahead of them. Jamie Chadwell is a guy at Coastal Carolina. They went 11-1 and last year against a schedule where the only Power 5 team they played was Kansas. And the two previous years, Jamie Chadwell had a losing record at Coastal Carolina. He's been there three years. They had him. They had Lance Leopold from Buffalo, who's now at Kansas ahead of Brian Kelly. They had Pat Fitzgerald pushing the top five. They had Matt Campbell, and and I understand they're trying to be, they're trying to look at it in a way that you should look at it, which is it's not just about wins and losses because going nine and three sure. in one program may be miraculous. We're going nine and three in another, get you fired, right? Right. Yeah, for but sure. They took it to a to a stupid level of trying to do that. You you know what I mean? Like at some point in time, you got to say. You know, Brian Kelly's been in the playoff two of the last three years. They had Kirby Smart third. That's just beyond stupid. Unless you're just saying you're giving like 100 bonus points for being a good recruiter. I would argue that those, I'll see your 100 bonus points and, and take away 200 for not being able to develop all those great recruits that you've landed. Right. So it was just a stupid list all around. And it wasn't even just like a, an anti-Brian Kelly list. It was just a dumb list all around. I mean, just some of the guys had ranked there were just stupid. I mean, it's just you know, you're given lifetime achievements award. Fine, you have Mac Brown ahead of Brian Kelly, but the last time they played, Notre Dame smacked North Carolina around pretty good. You know, yeah, I mean, sure did. Mac Brown's best year at North Carolina so far is an eight and four. I mean, when was the last time? You know, I think the last time Mac Brown had Texas is a really good team. Brian Kelly was still at Cincinnati. <laughs> you know, so that was the 09 team. You know, that played for the title at at at, uh, at Texas. So I mean, it's just a dumb list. And and look. I really, I, I really like what Pro Football Focus has done in the past. The problem, I think, a lot of their analysts that used to be good in college are now doing pro stuff, and the guys that are they're passing off as analysts in the college game are just really bad at what they do. And it's not just this list; it's not having Kyron Williams in your top ten, top eleven, really, because they have ten and then a next, you know, guy to watch. He wasn't even in any of those. Michael Mayer's not in any of those. 
You say, well, maybe he's young. Well, they had Eric Gilbert in there, you know. So it just they're just the the people they that do a- analysis for Pro Football Focus just really suck at their job, in my opinion. That their data collection's really good. Yeah, it's very really beneficial, useful. very helpful. Yeah, yeah, but it's but then then I I like the data collection. I think their rankings are stupid. Like mm-hmm. they had Jeremiah Wusukoromo would have been like the sixth or seventh highest ranked defensive player for Clemson last year. Kyle Hamilton was was ranked even lower than that. Wow. So I mean, sometimes you just have to look at something and say, "That's just so dumb. It's not even worth getting mad about." You know, it's like when you're like having like those. Remember, did, I don't know, you guys. Maybe you didn't do this. Maybe this is why I argue so much. But you know, you have those playground battles. Did you ever have those as a kid? Where you just kind of insult each other and you gotta have comebacks. Nope. We did that when I was a kid. Maybe that's why I'm such a prick. Uh, you know, but. There's those ones where somebody insults you, and you're like, dude, that doesn't make any sense. Like, I'm not even mad. That's just dumb. <laughs> and and that, to me, that's kind of one of those ones, uh, honestly, that I look at and say, yeah, that that's just so dumb that I'm even mad about it. I mean, you you look at you look at their rankings. Last year, Pro Football Focus had Nolan Turner graded out higher than Kyle Hamilton. You know the guy that Kyron Williams, who's not a top ten running back, juked in space you, on his oh, 65 yard touchdown. Just like- Jock right? strap on the ground. That guy's yeah. better than Kyle Hamilton, and Kyron Williams stinks. Right. I'm being hyperbolic about him stinking, but, but if, still, if Kyron Williams isn't a top ten running back after a thousand yards and thirty five catches in his first year as a starter as a redshirt freshman, then I don't even know what I'm doing here. Anymore. Right. Exactly. If Nolan Turner's a two and a half, almost a two and a half point better grade than Kyle Hamilton, then then I don't know football. I mean, it's just stupid. And so I don't even pay any attention to them anymore when it comes to grades. I just look at their data collection pressures and attempts and completions and all that stuff. Beyond that, it's just it's not even worth really talking about that much. Fair enough. They need to find better people to do their jobs. And no, I'm not pushing for a job there. I like where I'm at. I just I like to read stuff and not feel stupid more dumb when I'm done. Like you know what I mean? Like you read something, you're like, wow, I'm dumber now. I feel like that guy at the those are, spelling, those the, are usually the, conversations I have. Yeah, with the people. academic yeah. contest and, and Billy Madison at the end. Like yes. we're all now dumber for having listened to that. Right. Like, that's how I feel when I read college football analysis. Yes. From Pro Football Focus. Uh, uh, those are conversations I have daily with people. But anyway, uh, Kyle Stewart says best show yet. This defensive staff has me so fired up that we can play and beat the big boys. I've never been more fired up in my life. You're the best in the business, Driscoll. Appreciate you, Kyle. Very much. Love to be D. He's only saying um, that because I hired you, Vince. Yeah, right. Uh, a couple guys asking what time the show is tonight. Seven o'clock is when around the seven. I'll let you know as we get closer. So, just depends on yeah. whether or not we can stream it, and just kind of I get closer to idea. But it'll be around seven. Yeah. Hit that notification bell so that you're notified when it when it starts up. So uh, there's that. Um, let's see. Zachary Lane says BD. Talking about complacency and spin reminds me of this quote: "When a great team loses through complacency, it will, uh, it will consistently search for new and more intricate explanations to explain away defeat." That is a great wow. quote. I have never heard that quote before, a, but it, that I, doesn't where, describe Zachary. Where's that from? That is a phenomenal because that perfectly describes what yes. we've seen in previous years. But yes. also, why I'm so excited because to hear Brian Kelly say, oh. "I'm sick of losing to them." Oh, Pat, right? Oh, there you go, world yeah. champ, right? How many rings does he have? <laughs> to hear Brian Kelly say that and to see Brian Kelly do again, words are fine, but it's the it's the backing up of it with actions. Yeah. Getting Marcus Freeman the way that he does, just grinding on the recruiting trail the way that he has. Um, it, it's being backed up by by actions and deeds. 
but that is such a great. Can you pull that back up? That is such oh, a yeah, great absolutely. quote. I mean, yeah. just. I mean, is that not like indicative of what we've seen so many times? Oh, we can't win because academics and good athletes don't actually care about going to class and don't care right. about academics and and you can't recruit kids from the south and you can't recruit kids from here and you and you can't do this and you can't do that. And Marcus Freeman's like, <laughs> yeah, we can. <laughs> and, and, and I love it. I love it. Hey, we got a super chat from John yeah. A1. He says, I saw an article on uh, Report. Yep, Bleacher Report where C or Coach Reese. Where's Coach Reese? Thank you. I was like, C, his name doesn't start with C. Uh, where Tommy he Reese changed says, his name to Charlie. He's sick of people calling him Tommy. <laughs> Very good. Saw an article on Bleacher Report where Tommy Reese says that the plan uh, is to feature veteran wide receivers and Watts mainly through uh, mainly on the outside at X. Your that make me very flipping happy if they start playing Xavier Watts at X and give him a chance. That make me very happy. That's where he belongs in space. I mean, I, you know, I haven't talked about Xavier a ton because I'm just tired of repeating the same thing over and over again, and I'm tired of being negative. Because it's not fun being critical of the program that I spent my whole life yeah. being a fan of. I mean, it's just after a while, you're just like, good God, can you please just do something to make me happy? Right. I'm sick of complaining about it. So I just, I mean, we'll see. I, hey, you know, are going I haven't talked direction. about Xavier a lot, but because, yeah. I mean, really, what's there to say until we see in the fall what they do? Right. Exactly. But if, if they actually do look at him and the work he's put in this offseason, the work he did in the spring and say, we got to get that guy in the field, it's just another example of, okay, they're 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 doing it. They're yeah. doing it, and that'd make me very happy. It'd make me very happy. So, yeah, I, I mean, I didn't see that article. I'm just going to trust that, that what you're saying is accurate, John. But I love that. That'd I be love great. It. It'd be great. Uh, C-Rod, C-Rod, excuse me, said, started listening to you guys about a month ago, and I have to say I absolutely love your shows. only thing that gets me through work. Thank you. Now let's go get Sneed. There you go. There you <laughs> I know go. the feeling. I, yeah. I know that feeling. So yeah. thanks, man, for uh, for jumping in. Love to have you part of the family. Um. I got a question while you're looking, Vince. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is a question from Pee Wee is great. Oh, yeah. As a Browns fan, I'm so excited to have Jeremiah Wusu Cordmo on the team. What do you guys think think is his weakness? There's a couple that things that he's gonna have to I wouldn't call them necessarily weaknesses, but concerns that he's gonna have to improve upon if he wants to be successful in the NFL. Number one, he has to be more disciplined. Jeremiah freelanced a lot in college mm-hmm. and he was able to get away with it because he's an elite athlete. Well, now you're in the NFL and most people are elite athletes. You have you have to be able to combat. You have to be able to combine your instinctive ability to make plays with a little bit more dis- scheme discipline. And, and I think that's part of it. I think that um, his long speed is is good, but not great. So there's there's some vertical matchups that you're gonna nece- you're gonna want to avoid a little bit. And, and of course, he's he's not a, the biggest guy in the world. So there's there's some some things you're going to have to make sure that you're careful of depending on how you use him. You know, you want him to be a space guy more often than not. So those are a couple of the areas if I'm looking at his game and say, you know, those are areas if I'm the Browns, I need to protect him in certain areas. But then in other, other instances, we got to make sure that you coach him up and, and that we make him a better player and make him a little bit more, you know, cause again, you don't want to heart, you don't want to break him completely break him of that freelancing style. Cause you want him to be a playmaker, but you just need to harness it a little bit and just say, hey, okay, there's a time and a place. You got to know when to do it and when not to do it because in the in college, those mistakes, you know, you're still athletic enough to tackle them for a five yard gain, or they turn into twenty yard gains. When the NFL, those mistakes can result in yeah. in touchdown, and, and that's that's the difference. And so, those are the things that I think he has to be a little bit more um, leery of, and you just got to clean up a little bit. So you you uh, you asked Michael to expound on his reasoning mm-hmm. for Cone getting replaced. Mm-hmm. He said his foot, and why not play the guy we recruited? 
Well, I think they did recruit Jack Cohn. It's just they recruited him from a different situation, you know. Yeah. And again, I think the reason, you know, the foots are concerned. I mean, he didn't. It didn't look like it was an issue in the fall, but foots are always tricky events. It may look fine, and then just one day, just it goes. Sure. So, yeah, I mean, that's fair. Although I don't think his was a broken foot. I'd have to go back and look on that. I don't think it was like a completely broken foot, like Kevin Austin situation. But the the reason you don't play the guy you committed is if or recruited is if if he doesn't give you the best chance to win a championship, then you recruit the guy that does. And if that guy was a grad transfer, then you play that guy. Uh, you know, to me, it's about I'm not Team Cone. I'm not Team Pine. I'm not Team Buckner. I'm I'm Team whoever is going to give Notre Dame the best chance team to win. Notre Dame, yeah, right? Yeah. The person that I believe that to be based on a combination of talent experience which equals proven production fit in the system players around him all those things fits jack cone now i'm also not someone who's always a play the more experienced guy because i thought in 2019 they should have benched ian book and handed the reins over to phil jakovic after the michigan loss okay so it's but it's a combination of factors that to me jack cone right now as of today july 12th is the guy that gives Dame the best chance to win a championship you play Tyler Buckner and Drew Pine not because you recruited them, but because they beat Jack Cohn out and they give you the best chance to win week after week. And that's who the starting quarterback should be. There should be no other criteria but that. Now, is if there comes a point in the time, Michael, where Notre Dame is no longer in contention for a playoff spot or a championship and the offense isn't necessarily lights out, then maybe you think about, you know what, we need to make a change. But – that would be it because now you're preparing for the future. Once you're knocked out of the playoff, you you have to now build for next year, and we get another crack at it next year. But I don't, you know, I, I don't see that being really necessarily an issue. I think this team is going to be really good, and I think Jack Cohn's going to, if as long as he's healthy, he's going to be a reason for that. And I appreciate you following up too on that, Michael. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Brew all day says thanks for the coverage, guys. Looking forward to talking uh, Sneed again. That's tonight around seven o'clock. Hit that notification button so you know when that show is going to pop up. Corey D with a very interesting question here. Uh, he says, would you rather have Urban Meyer or Marcus Freeman as our next coach? I believe Notre Dame could lure Meyer away from Jacksonville in a couple of years, especially if things go south. Why would you want to hire a guy who's not winning? And I and I know he had success, but look, Urban Meyer's burnt out twice already. You know, um, I think the Urban Meyer thing has has, I think that ship has sailed. And I would, I would much rather have a guy – look, Urban, here's the deal. Is Urban Meyer a great coach? Absolutely. Could Urban Meyer win at Notre Dame? Absolutely. Is he you know, the second best coach of this generation? Absolutely. Has he turned down Notre Dame twice to be the head coach somewhere else? Absolutely. Urban Meyer had his chance to come to Notre Dame. He didn't want to be here. Now that Brian Kelly's built this program up to where it's right on the cusp and then he wants to waltz, waltz in – I'm not saying he would want to. I'm saying that would be the circumstance. He wants to waltz in and – take advantage of all that success that other people have built and win a championship. And now ah, look at me, legend, urban Meyer uh, pass, you know, pass. Uh, I'd much rather see someone like Marcus Freeman or some other coaches that I like get that opportunity uh, than urban Meyer. Now, would I have said that several years ago? Probably not. Cause I thought that they needed him to take him to that next step. And do I think urban Meyer would win a championship if he took over Brian Kelly? Absolutely. But I just would rather not that be the case. And at the end of the day, I don't want to win and then feel like dirty about it. <laughs> I mean, dude's already been fined by the NFL for not breaking rules, right? I mean, has he really? Yeah. I haven't yeah. followed that at all. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. <laughs> uh, 
Tommy Gunn says, all right, Brian, uh, we know most of the coaches won't let you interview them. Can we get Vince to set up an interview with Go them? for it, Vince. <laughs> good, good luck with that. Let me know yeah, how it exactly. goes. Exactly. Good luck with that. Um, and then he says, and I know you're not going to answer this. He goes, I've got the need, the need for Sneed. Brian and Vinny, are we 99.880% sure that he's picking Notre Dame tonight? Uh, let it play out. Yeah, I'll I mean, I'm, Tommy, you know I'm not going to answer that question. I'll say it. I'll say it. Uh, that's that's about it. No, hold on. Oh, wait, what hold do you on. got? <laughs> are you going there? Uh, you- Zachary Gillespie yeah. says, Pinecone got me thinking of Steve Angeli's nickname, Peanut Butter Angeli. Cracks me up every time. <laughs> that is not a name that you want uh, oh, that you want uh, necessarily um, <laughs> as a nickname for a quarterback at a, a program that that wins. Um, Tommy Guns, I did not watch the Conor McGregor fight. I don't watch UFC. That's not really my thing. I'm more of a I'm more of a welterweight boxing kind of guy if I'm gonna watch fights, and I haven't even watched that in a long time. You know, I, I said this before. I grew up watching like Sweet Pea Whitaker and Roy Jones and Julio Cesar Chavez and those kind of guy. I'm not necessarily into a. I'm not a UFC. I appreciate and respect it. It's just I don't find it overly entertaining. So no, I did not watch that. And then uh, Aloysius Winters says, I just left Hilton Head High School. Lots of ND banners hung up. It's interesting. I'm not sure about that, but uh, uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. But uh, And as D-Rock says, before you leave, hit the like button, subscribe, and hit the notifications bell. If you're listening via our podcast, please give us a five-star review. Check out irishbreakdown.com. And if you notice, I got a little something different on the scroller down there. It's boards.irishbreakdown.com. That is our new message board, as I said at the very beginning. Uh, I'll pull it up. We have a, uh, and I'm going to just pull it up here again, see if I make sure I didn't delete it yet. Uh, but uh, actually, I, I did like a knucklehead and see if it's still there. Uh, here we go. Yes, I do still have it. So let me pull that up real quick. But uh, a- as I said, it is we have a monthly subscri- subscription, an annual subscription. Plus, you can be part of the Irish Breakdown Booster Club. And also, if you are a SI member, if you have already subscribed through Sports Illustrated, this is not included in that membership per se, meaning you can't get your password for SI and sign up the message board. You need to sign up for our site directly. So if you are an SI member, okay, then then I want you to just to hit shoot me an email, okay? Uh, send me if you have it. Send me the receipt SI sent you that shows your end date, your start and end date, because I want to make sure that I comp you through that time, and then you will get access at no additional fee, no additional charge. So this, but this is different. So you know, SI has that thing that they run through our site. This message board. We waited long enough to not have a message board, so I just had my wife build us one. So very excited about that. Um, and so that this is a separate deal. We're going to post on that regularly. All of our articles from from SI, will, Irish Breakdown, we'll put on the message board. We'll answer questions there. We'll discuss there. We'll you know uh, we'll have all of our videos are going to be on. Everything that we do is going to be part of that message board. I'll give some intel there that I don't give other places, just because as I've said, there's certain things that I don't put out on the podcast because it needs to be protected by a paywall. Uh, and so, but th- it also doesn't mean we're going to stop doing things we normally do on the podcast. The podcast is not going to change. If anything, it's going to make it even better because it's just, you know, the community is going to keep growing and those kind of things. So if you want to be part of our our message board and, and just continue being part, even further deeper into the part of the, the Notre Dame community, that's, that's obviously the way to go. So before we leave, Vincent, we get any other questions 
Um, um, Paul Benoit has has one here. Benoit. 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 I, say it, I say it wrong every time. I'm just an uncultured swine. It's okay. Um, it's okay. Just curious what your thoughts are on if Notre Dame recruits one sibling as a means to getting the other. Does this happen, i.e. push for Austin Osbury with the eye on really wanting Jaden? Does it happen? Notre Dame has been very anti that for a long time, and I'm happy about that. For example, yeah. they did not necessarily push for James Brockemeyer last year because they wanted to get Tommy Brockemeyer. So uh, they don't do that. And with with as tight as scholarship numbers are right now, and if you think about if the, if they didn't like Aiden Aus, Austin um, uh, Osbury, the guys they'd have to turn down to take him, that dude better be Jalen Smith if you're going to do that, you know what I mean? And so the reason Notre Dame off offered Austin Osbury is because they like him. right now. He's not really a guy that they're working on because they're putting all their chips right now in the Xavier Nwankba basket. It's a little bit risky, but that's why getting Benjamin Morrison is so important because if you get Benjamin Morrison on Thursday, you now have the depth of corner in the last two classes to protect yourself at safety in those other positions. If you miss out on Xavier Nwankba, uh, but, uh, but they're, they're, that's why, that's where they're, they're putting it down. And, and I very much agree with that. I would much rather oh, see absolutely. them, see them. Absolutely. Do that. Tommy guns is in a very rare form today, Vince. <sighs> and I did watch you WC. I was actually more, I was a WWF kid. So this is the question. Tommy gun says, Vince, did you ever watch WCW Vince? I'll answer that. And then you can answer that. I was a WWF guy as a kid, Hulk Hogan and, you know, ultimate warrior and all those. As I got older, and now it's WWE, as I got older in like middle school and high school, I became more of a WCW guy, Sting and all that. And then, uh, of course, then they brought in all the WWF guys and the NWO and just completely ruined WCW with their little midget rings, like little tiny itty-bitty rings. Uh, but um, I, I, and I and then I watched WWE when during the, um, the Attitude Era with Stone Cold and The Rock and all that, but I haven't watched wrestling since that era ended. Basically, how about you, Vince? Uh, you just were speaking a completely different language to me just now. I have what no did idea what did you do as a kid? Like, did you just about. read books all the time? The, uh, <laughs> no, I did, definitely didn't do that. I am, like I said, I am uncultured swine. Okay, I was watching sports, man. You play with snails. So did I. You play with snails or something in your backyard. It's, it's not, not a sport, sport, but it's fun. I see. Look, I remember in high school, I there was some buddies that that ordered, you know, one of those, you know pay-per-view with the wwef or whatever and i went to it i've never been so bored in my life yeah. I, I apologize everybody i'm sure that now i'm going to be on a hated list it's just it's never my thing man it just never was so that's i apologize okay. i was we watching movies you. and yeah. you know doing stuff like that no you so. sit on your booty that's what you're okay i got gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. gotcha. you know just okay. that's yep. well hey mm -hmm. i enjoyed this show today everybody i, I appreciate too. everybody being a part of it we'll be back tonight around seven is so make sure you're locked into my twitter account and if you're on the message board i'll put something up on the message board about the time we're going to go and then of course that's so important as to why you need to hit the you need to subscribe and hit the notifications bell because right. as soon as i say hey podcast gonna be seven i'll create it. it you'll get a notification and it'll let you know um that uh it'll let you know when we're gonna go so i hope yeah. to see a lot of you tonight our numbers got pretty big during the show tonight yeah, i hope they they're did. just as big if not bigger awesome. or today hope they get even bigger tonight and I'm very excited to see what we're what we're going to do here with uh, with uh, Jalen C and see what Notre Dame's going to be able to uh, to get him or not. And then I'll have some very interesting comments afterwards, kind of give the rundown on how his recruitment went. So you guys have about guys and guys about three and a half hours of rest. So get some get some water. Get hey, get, get hydrated, hydrated, baby. Get some food in you. Get some rest and be ready to come back around seven o'clock and be ready to rock and roll. So for Vince.
Actually, for Vince, I'm Brian. Everybody have a great rest of your day, and we'll talk to you again very, very soon. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.